1: Tuesday the 22nd it's Wander Franco's kind of birthday it's his debut Basically. day so like it is it's his bar mitzvah right so is uh, that how it I'm... works what is that how it works bar mitzvah yeah I mean he's becoming a man he, he he was becoming a... a man it's very true right I was bar mitzvahed I went from a boy to a man and Wander Franco is going from a minor leaguer to a major leaguer you know what um let's
0: talk about our names I'm Jack McMullen and you're Peter I'm... Apple I'm Peter Apple, and remember last time when you gave me kind of uh, a little lesson on broadcasting and we have to address the audience? Yeah. You just do it every time, but without being too much. You know what I'm saying? And you know what also just kind of brightened my day? I just got a tweet alert. It's, what is it? A Twitter? A Twitter notification. Okay. What, you, what am I talking about here? That Jacob DeGrom, first inning, remember we're recording on a Monday, releasing on Tuesday. Maybe he's been a little bit hurt. Lately. And he just 101, 100, 101 in the first inning. So, like, what's
1: his deal? I'm trying to figure out what his deal is because obviously, like, he is not uh, suspect A of the foreign substance crackdown. Like, that's not his thing. The, the no. Uber spin is not his thing. It's the high velocity and the, the 91 mile an hour slider that he couples with 102. I guess, like, my main question about Jacob DeGrom is like, what is getting so thrown at a whack right now? Because first it was the back, then it was the hand and it was a muscular thing. Then it was shoulder tightness, but he's not really missing any extended time. Like I'm not really understanding what's going on with him. Is it just because he's throwing 102 and
0: the human body can't take the forces of 102? As lame as it sounds, I think that's what it is. If you think about Jacob deGrom, the human body wasn't meant to throw 100 pitches at over 100 miles an hour every fifth day. Right. You could throw 103 just like Chapman when he struck out Matt Chapman with the highest velocity pitch of the season at 103.4. You can unload for an inning. But this is a guy that the Mets are relying on for seven, eight, nine throwing at that kind of velocity. I genuinely think that the human body that his body is telling him, hey, you're reaching the pinnacle of what a human can do with a baseball. Right. And we're seeing that with a 0.54 ERA and we're seeing it with the velocity. And my thing is, the scariest part about DeGrom is yes, it's June and every single start is important. But he's going to be amped up for October baseball once the Mets win the division, in my opinion. Yeah. He's going to get better and he's going to get faster and the adrenaline is going to be flowing through that those gangly long arms right and i could see him realistically sitting a hundred in the playoffs like his lowest kind of velocity is 100 miles an hour and he'll be up to 102 103 we've never seen that in our lives so
1: i guess what i'm thinking and like kind of going back to You know, what deGrom is doing like is probably the the highest reach of what pitchers can do anatomically. Like I agree. Nobody should be able to do more than that. Like Nolan Ryan didn't do more than
0: that. Bob Gibson didn't do more than that. They couldn't. Right. They physically science wasn't available as much was the worst sentence ever, but I don't know how else to explain it. I thought
1: pitchers had kind of maxed out when we saw Tyler Glasnow when he had that fastball curveball mix where like he's six eight he's throwing the ball from forty feet away from the hitter pretty much yeah, it's and it's like a hundred with carry and then it's a hammer of a breaking pitch and then we see DeGrom throw like this low effort one hundred and one for seven innings.
0: That's the crazy part, dude. It's low effort. It doesn't right. seem like he's straining his body. Almost seems like Tyler Glasnow has a little bit more than DeGrom, at least in what he's pitching. So, but I think it's important. Should we break into what Bill James has been saying? So, yeah, I was thinking about trying to put
1: together like this fluffy transition with that. Like, hey, Jacob deGrom, he's in the NL East. A guy that's in the NL East, Ronald Acuna Jr., one of the best hitters in baseball, looks like a knight from the Renaissance era when he steps in against him, all geared up. And you saw something interesting on MLB Network today about gear
0: and about hitters crowding the plate against 101. What a transition, Jack. I loved it. (laughs) Yeah, right? Thanks. So Bill James, famous statistician of one of the biggest influences on the Moneyball era. He's written a 100 books. He's, I think, is he a Hall of Famer? Or is he going to be a Hall of Famer? Are they going to put him in the Hall of Fame? Uh, Maybe. I I, I don't know. I don't know. But he's he's that level of statistician in, in baseball history. He has a couple rule changes that I'd like to go over. And he talked with Brian Kenny, and it was such an interesting interview. And I want to relay some of those rules to you. See how they jump off, because some of them are a bit controversial and some of them are a bit weird. But some of them might work. Yeah. Number one, he wants to move the batter's box one inch away from the plate. Thoughts? I mean the the batter's <laughs> box i think
1: is already wide enough like we've got the jackasses of hitters that crowd the plate yeah we also have well, that's people- what he's saying he's saying move it away from the plate right so like my thing is if hitters were super scared of this then, like, they would move themselves. Like, I don't think we need to move the chalk farther away. I think hitters need to move their human body away if
0: they're if they're afraid of getting hit by a pitch. Bill James's point was to the fact that hitters nowadays, much before the in the 1950s and the 1970s, hitters would never crowd the plate as much as they are right now. I mean, we can see hitters just just cleating away at the line, basically sitting on top of the plate, and they're okay to get hit. But yeah. with pitchers, it's, it's increasingly impossible to work inside, and then once you work inside, we're seeing the most hit by pitches out of any year ever, at yeah. the highest rate right now. So I understand it's a small rule change, but you know, I don't really have much of an opinion on it. I know we're supposed to have kind of an opinion on it, but I don't know how much that changes the game of baseball In totality, I think that's more of a safety measure and a way to make pitchers start working on the outside part of the plate as hitters will generally be farther away possibly making it so they're not going so inside so often.
1: Okay, but we talk about how cyclical baseball is and like yeah.
0: sitting on the outside with
1: a fastball was the thing in the 90s and the early 2000s. That's the thing. And then once launch angle became a thing and longer swings became a thing, the way to beat hitters is up and in because they can't get the bat head you know, near their chest. They can't yeah. bring the bat through close enough to themselves anymore. So like I don't know. I I feel like my my question that stems from that is like, who are you really protecting? Are you trying to protect the hitter? Because the hitter is fully invested in like getting hit all the time. And I think that (laughs) takes us into the next rule change
0: that Bill James kind of proposed. Enforcing rules requiring batters to stay in the batter's box. It's a complete pace of play kind of rule because we see hitters every single day just taking 20 minutes to scratch their nuts and and take off their entire gear set, take off their batting gloves just to get back in for a new pitch. And it just wastes time. I mean, your favorite player of all time is Mark Burley. How fun is it watching Mark Burley throw every eight seconds when hitters, you know, can't do anything but stay in the box because he's getting the ball and throwing it right back. That's, That's a rule I can get behind. So I think it was David Ortiz that just said F that with the rule that
1: they tried to propose a couple of years ago at the tail end of Poppy's career. He was like, listen, I get out of the box. I adjust my batting gloves all the time. Like, I'm not changing that. So, like, I don't.
0: Sometimes you have to. Sometimes I'm sure if you told hitters, and this is the big thing about telling players before something starts being like these are the rules we're trying to increase or decrease the pace of play can you help us i'm sure that if they told hitters that especially with the sticky substance at the beginning if they told them that earlier wouldn't they i feel like they'd be more inclined to actually help out major league baseball as a whole because I mean, MLB hitters aren't just going to be like, no, no shot. I'm changing my little routine outside the box. And that brings us into our third, another batter's box kind of thing. Whatever equipment the batter wears into the batting box or batter's box, excuse me, is worn until they return to the dugout. That's an interesting one.
1: So if you wear your shin guard and your elbow guard, not even your elbow guard, like your full arm guard that a lot of guys are wearing and like everything you have equipped to hit, you cannot hand anything off to your first base coach. You have exactly. to wear that when you try and steal second base. Um, I personally kind of like that one. I don't think that would ever go through because safety is, is of the utmost importance so when I say like Ronald Acuna goes in looking like a renaissance knight like wearing all this yellow like gear to protect himself like he has no problem getting hit by 101 because it's not going to hit his body it's not going to hit his flesh and bones um so like safety wise that kind of makes no sense Bill James but I understand where you're coming from like it would certainly incentivize hitters to not get hit by pitches It um, would and therefore back them off the plate the inch that you want to move the chalk back like it's it all kind of correlates it with all, each other i think bill james
0: is just kind of pissed off right now. <laughs> yeah. pissed but the off. thing is you know it's crazy bill james said this is his favorite form of baseball he's ever watched because it's the one he created. I know it's the one he created. He probably loves it. He's like, everyone is just hitting a home run, striking out of walking. This is perfect. Oh, God. <laughs> FIP is all that matters. <laughs> Fourth and final rule. Very interesting. This would completely change the game. Bill James on foul balls. A batter gets to foul off a two-strike pitch once. Two fouls on two strikes is a strikeout thoughts on that one that one's crazy i first of all i hate that one because i love i love 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 a 14 pitch at bat yeah that battle is some of the most entertaining at bats in baseball so i tend to think don't do that ever so
1: the The Odyssey of at-bats, like that Mookie Betts, I think it was a 13-pitch home run a couple years ago. You remember that one at Fenway? Of course. Yeah, so like those are great. But the 15 pitch walk or like the 10 pitch walk, like with how slowly hitters and pitchers are operating now on a pitch by pitch basis. And I've got a pretty good story for you about that um, from this past week. But with how slowly that some pitchers and hitters are moving, I've gone back and I've watched the archived games from like the night before or two nights before of like a 12 pitch at bat. And those things take like four minutes. <laughs> like,
0: but it's fun. Is that it, not a fun four minutes? If for uh, me it is, it's it's a fun
1: four minutes if it results in something cool. But like if it's um, I, if it's the eight hitter for the Pittsburgh Pirates, seeing a middle <laughs> reliever for the Detroit Tigers, like I'm out. <laughs> like, I'm not watching baseball again for
0: another year. If I the see the thing that. is, I'm that weird guy where no matter kind of what the situation pitch. The situation is, if an at-bat goes over 10 pitches, I'm, I always find it wildly entertaining. Huh, okay. You're weird. <laughs> sort
1: of. Here, here's my story from this week uh, that would kind of, <laughs> um, that just kind of shits on the pace of play thing. <laughs> like it just tells Perfect. you and how screwed up a spot we are in the game of baseball. Um, the Tin caps saw the Dayton Dragons, who are the high-A affiliate of the Cincinnati Reds. Cincinnati's minor league pitching coordinator is Kyle Bodie CEO of driveline
0: okay oh there it is
1: Kyle Bodie the champion of pitching as a science Kyle Bodie the creator of the hyper masculine velocity obsessed slider obsessed pitcher right so what's the focus of Kyle Bodie and the guys that he signs it's get strikeouts right And it's do whatever you have to do to get strikeouts. Do whatever you have to do to psych yourself up mentally. I don't care if the game lasts four hours. Uh You're going to get your strikeouts. And you're going to bury three sliders, but three are going to go in the exact spot that you need them to, and that'll result in a strikeout. There's a kid that the Reds have just kind of transformed, and I'll leave his name out of it. Um, But he is a slider savant. He's got a great slider. But here's his process between sliders. He throws, I think, 87% sliders was the number that I heard. And he was a non-drafted free agent. I mean, crazy. And (laughs) between pitches, we saw him throw twice this week. He'll get the ball. He'll, you know, rub it up a little bit. He'll take his time. He'll stretch out behind the rubber. He'll get back on the rubber. He peers in from the stretch, nods, gets his sign, then rocks back and forth and back and forth and back and forth for about 15 seconds until he decides that he's ready. He's mentally psyched up to throw this slider. And then he buries one for ball one. I mean, it's 15 to 20 seconds of just rocking before he comes set every time. And it was So frustrating to
0: watch. (laughs) And that's what's killing the game, dude. I mean, nobody's just getting the ball and throwing it anymore. Everyone has a full morning routine before they throw a pitch. It's like I wake up at 5 a.m., I do breakfast, I write my journal, I drink water, and then I throw a pitch. Uh, It was so hard. And, you know, also something I've mentioned, today is the first day that they're doing inspections on the sticky stuff and I just got another alert that Jacob deGrom passed the first inspection. Good for him. Of course, he's not using anything sticky. He's just throwing 101 with the with the grace of his own fingertips. Maybe a little bit of sweat, rosin, and sunscreen. <laughs> oh. All right. We buried the lead. You want to get to the best part of the show, man? Let's get to the best part of the show. The damn honorable mentions of the top 10 third baseman. The f- top 10 third baseman in the game and just before we get into these
1: can we just say that like maybe aside from shortstops, like this is the
0: position like this is the one that you oh look at and God. say these guys are so good at the sport they play this is almost better than shortstop. It's so deep. And we came up with what, 18 to 20 names that we were going through. Yeah. And then we narrowed it down to our five honorable mentions. And then of course our top 10, but I know that there's three that we just have to mention before we get into the honorable mentions. Right. So they're not honorable mentions. They're, just they're not, mentions. they're, are honorable mentions to the honorable mentions, which is not even in the top 10.
1: They're, so he here's the three assistants to the regional manager. Yes, uh, the Dwight like, Shruths. Alec Bohm with the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, Boehm can hit the crap out of the ball, but he's just not right right just now. Just not this year. Not right now. Kyle Seeger with the Seattle Mariners. You know, the run producing numbers are there and Seeger has been like the model of consistency for the Mariners. But I mean, he's hitting like 215.
0: Like, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? But he's yeah. going to be a big trade piece. Big trade piece. And then Evan Longoria is turning back the clock, which is cool. Which is cool, but Evan Longoria hasn't been that great for a while. But this year, he's hitting 280 and, he's, and he has like what, nine home runs? He's hitting pretty well. Yeah.
1: He's hitting pretty well. Okay. Now the honorable mentions, right? We start with Tampa Bay's Joey Wendell, the bare handed assassin. He's a 300 hitter that plays great defense on one of the best teams in the American League. Wendell is very fun to
0: watch, Pete. Oh, Wendell is so much fun to watch. Wendell's also so, so pesky. Yes. He does everything. He can play everywhere. He can hit everything. He doesn't wear batting gloves. He's just a grinder. He's a fun guy to watch. If you ever turn on a Rays game, Joey Wendell has been a big part of their success this year. Big part. Key Brian Hayes, our next honorable mention. He, oh is my dear
1: smooth. lord, he's smooth with like twelve O's. He hit three seventy six in twenty four games last year. That was super fluky. He's at two sixty six yeah. through seventeen games this year. That may be a little bit closer to two fifty is where he'll sit for the next couple of years of his career. He might slightly increase after that. But as soon as he broke into the bigs, he was the top five defensive third baseman in the game.
0: No question. And it's crazy. You know, I was watching a Trevor Bauer vlog, which I did for the first time. I've never actually watched one of his vlogs before. They were kind of entertaining. But he said Cabrian Hayes is one of the best hitters in the entire National League. That's huh. where he was at. So we have to have Brian Hayes just because he's one of the most talented rookies that we've seen at the position in a very long time. And he's one of the bright spots for the pirates right now. I mean, they don't have many, but he's definitely one of them and a guy that they must try and build around. I was going to say one of he, he might be the bright spot for the pirates right now. Adam Frazier and Jacob Stallings are technical players. Okay. Richard Rodriguez. You can make the argument. Richard Rodriguez is good. Um, Chad. Cool. Technically
1: is a pitcher. Hey, I, he is. Yeah. He pitches baseballs. Um, I don't hate
0: Brian Reynolds either. I don't hate Brian Reynolds either. So there's that Austin and, Riley. But they also, they also have a seven foot shortstop O'Neal Cruz in their uh, farm system right now. Not quite seven foot, but he has like six, eight. I don't, I don't, I have no idea how he's going to be. Yeah. Uh, Austin Riley with the Atlanta Braves. Uh, this guy
1: cannot stop hitting. He's top three among third basemen in hits, homers, and OPS. Acuna has been the star for Atlanta, obviously, but Riley has been the surprise and he has fully inserted himself into the core for the next decade.
0: Oh, 100%. Riley is just a great hitter. I, not the best defender over there at third, but the two rakes. Hits bombs. Hits for a decently high average. Has a decent walk
1: rate. He's a good hitter. Listen, if you liked my Renaissance night for Acuna, you're going to like this for Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson is a Cabernet Sauvignon. You tasted it at the vineyard up north in the mid-2010s, and you said, this is the perfect gift wine. My friends are going to think I'm classy as hell when I give it to them for their birthday or anniversary. So you buy a couple of bottles and it isn't cheap. You move a couple of times out to Ohio, maybe down to Georgia. but Then you settle down in Minnesota. And being up North has you thinking about that vineyard. And you know what? I think I'm going to hold onto these and drink them myself. So you pull it out of the cellar aged 35 years and the tannins, the acidity, just knock you on your ass. Damn, that's a good wine. Why did I think this was expendable when I bought it?
0: <laughs> that whole bit was insane. <laughs> but fantastic. But insane. No, you hated it. If we just if we just get back to the actual numbers, he's hitting 241, 338 on base, 455 slugging. He's still got 10 bombs. He's showing the power. Um, 27... You know, RBIs, he's driving a couple guys in, not really stealing bags. He's walking a decent amount, but also striking out at 18%, which is below league average. I mean, he's still Josh Donaldson. He's still a good hitter, but this third base list is just so stacked and he's not the same defender that he once was. So right now he's in our honorable mentions, but I mean, this list is just so stacked, dude. Why did he get shipped around like he did? That's a, that's a question I have no idea the answer of. I think it just had to do with maybe his contract stuff and being a free agent and getting traded to the right place and and people using his value for example when he got traded from the A's to the Blue Jays the A's you know took full you know took full authority on his on his value so I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. It was Donaldson for Brett Lowry straight up,
1: right? I, was it Brett Lowry? I think it was Brett Lowry. Oh God! How horrible the trade that was. Yeah, not good. And then our last honorable mention: Gio Urshela. The Yankees have one competent defender,
0: and it's Gio Urshela. Gio Urshela is is good, and I honestly, I would say Gio Urshela is this is the eleventh best third baseman. I mean, he's hitting two seventies, playing really good defense thing with Gio, he just doesn't walk enough and he's been striking out a lot this year but he's showing the power he's got nine home runs but Gio rochelle's value really is is on the defensive side and then when he hits that's just added value and he's hitting right now so we have to put him in the honorable mentions and he's been doing this now for a while been super consistent so that's why i have him as my 11th best third baseman who would you have your as your 11th I think right now it's Austin Riley, because you
1: cannot deny the offensive production that Riley put together.
0: Yeah, maybe.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now we get into the top 10. I'm not going to acknowledge that. (laughs) Perfect.
0: Just Baseball is proud to announce we're partnering with the Hero App for a live digital stadium experience at the college world series starting Thursday, June 24th. We'll be hosting a series of live shows from Omaha, Nebraska on the hero app hosted by the co-founders of JustBaseball.com, arm Layton and me, Peter Apple with special guests from the pro and college game expert MLB prospect analysis, fan giveaways and interactive viewer Q and A's. You'll be able to watch the game with us comment along, ask questions, and invite your friends into our digital stadium. We launched Just Baseball to change the way the game is being covered. And with Hero, we're going to offer a whole new interactive baseball experience. So what is Hero? Hero is a free app for co-watching video services like Netflix, Amazon Prime Video, Disney Plus, and Hulu and TV channels like ESPN, Fox, ABC, CBS, and more while you talk, laugh, and cheer with friends on voice chat or text chat. It'll feel like you're on the couch watching a ball game with friends or at the stadium with a big group. To join us for the College World Series experience, head over to justbaseball.com slash hero spelled H-E-A-R-O to learn more and download the app. That's just slash hero.
1: Number 10. I got evens this time. You got odds. So you get number one. That's going to be fun for
0: you. That's going to be fun.
1: <laughs> number 10 is Matt Chapman with the Oakland A's. He's the best defender in baseball. Like literally. He and Nick Ahmed are the only two guys in baseball with 12 outs above average. He's a two-time platinum glove winner. There's nobody better at any position at fielding the baseball than Matt Chapman. And our natural inclination was to put him like closer to five than 10, but he's just not hitting right now. Powers down like crazy. And he's quickly nearing a hundred strikeouts already. He leads the AL and K's and he's only four behind our snub from the top 10 shortstops, Javi Baez. We got so much flack for leaving Baez out, but the guy's going to hit a hundred K's before Joey Gallo. (laughs) I know. Nobody cares though. Right, and, and I think once Chapman kind of figures out how to put the ball in play and, and he just gets the power back, he's going to fly up this list.
0: I totally agree. Matt Chapman is so goddamn smooth at third. I mean, you can make an argument he's the best fielder in the world. In the entire world, he is the best with the glove in the entire world. Yep. The ninth, best third baseman in baseball is justin turner of the los angeles dodgers the ageless the ageless wonder justin turner is still mashing baseballs at 36 years old turner has been one of the best third basemen in the league for a while now especially since 2014 but at this point in his career defense is not one of his strong suits but turner is still one of the most feared hitters in the best lineup in baseball when healthy Turner is another one of those guys. When the lights are turned on, Turner rises to the occasion and seems to be the most responsible for timely playoff hits come October. Right now, Turner is hitting above 280 again, and he's actually walking at the highest rate of his career to this point. And he's still hitting for power with double-digit home runs at 12. We just pray Justin Turner stays healthy because that bat... The bat is fantastic.
1: You made all your LA friends really happy and you made all your new New York friends really
0: pissed off at you. I understand, but Justin Turner, I bet if you asked the Dodger fans, should Justin Turner be in the top five? They'd say yes. And then if you ask the New York fans, they'd say he shouldn't even be in the top 10. Right. Because if he was in the American league, he might get relegated to DH. I don't see him much as a defender anymore, but. There are actually very few hitters in baseball that I would prefer at the plate to Justin Turner in October, and I value that. I love dudes who are clutch in the biggest moments, and Justin Turner has been nothing short of that for his entire career. And yeah, he's 36 and still raking. You just made your LA folks happy. I'm going to make my
1: hometown folks really happy right now with the eighth best shortstop, in, or not shortstop, the eighth best third baseman in the game. And it's Yoan Moncada with the Chicago White Sox. I mean, this guy is one of the most skilled baseball players on the planet. That's why he was the top prospect in the game when he was with the Red Sox and then coming up with the White Sox. But in the early goings of Moncada's career, he was striking out a lot. He wasn't getting on base that much. And the line drive power like showed up in bursts, but it wasn't there consistently. So, what's changed? What's made him this top 10 third baseman in 2021? The strikeouts really haven't changed, but the walks have. He's walking a lot and he's not chasing. That's called the maturation process, folks. He's got loads of power as a switch hitter from both sides, and he's barreling the ball up constantly. And he's got a hose. He's not a very strong defender, and he makes a lot of mistakes with the glove, but he can whip that thing around the field. Johan Moncada is a freak athlete, and I think you agree with me. He's one of the more talented baseball players in all of the game.
0: Oh, he's so talented. And even if you look at a stat like war, which is kind of an all-encapsulating type stat, and he even said he's not that great of a defender, 2.6 war, he leads the position. So he's yeah. that. Dude. And even if he's not playing the best third base, he's playing at least serviceable. And then the bat is just, and this is a guy who might just be scratching the surface with all the kind of talent he has. I think he could get even better. You want Mancato? We could see him rise up these lists and maybe even by next season. Yep. The seventh best third baseman in baseball is Anthony Rendon of the Los Angeles Angels. Anthony Rendon has an argument for best third baseman in baseball over these past few years, but you just can't hit 230 with only four home runs and an 83 WRC plus and expect to finish higher than a lot of the studs on this list already. It's challenging to find a better offensive threat at third than Rendon since 2017, as he's finished in the top 10 of MVP voting the last four years. Rendon, though, can take part of the blame for the angel struggles so far, as he looks like a shell of himself at the plate right now. He's also been weirdly extremely bad in the field, ranking dead last in outs above average and towards the bottom of these other advanced metrics. He's walking at one of the lowest rates of his career while also striking out at the highest rate of his career since 2016. Rendon is a bona fide all-star and can't rank much lower than this because of his track record but he is sitting at six because the six guys above him are just flat out better right now like right our, now our rough draft but the the thing is like they might just be better <sighs> that's so hard like that's such a tough I know field but to the, it's like Look at the six that we're about to go into. I know. I know these are not just anybody, and I know Anthony Rendon is that dude. But like these six, if you have a little bit of bad start to the season, like you're not making it in there right now. Right, <laughs> right. you're not making it top ten because of how good 10. these guys are. I mean, Kyle Seeger, like he's he's got like 40 RBIs and he's not a top. Kyle Seeger's right? good, but he's he's in the
1: honorable honorables. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Rendon, like.
0: On our rough draft, we had him at like three because that's know. Like our initial thought. It's like, because we're just yeah. like, yeah, Rendon's probably three or two, but you think about it and you're like, wait a minute, these guys are just better. It's
1: the Francisco Lindor
0: effect right now, right? Like are- exactly why he's ranked at seven. He might be two, but right now he's at seven because of how loaded this list is. Yeah. Same
1: thing with Rendon. And the number six third baseman in the game, like this guy might actually just be flat out better than Anthony Rendon. I think he got more money. Manny Machado is number six. I wish I could just like pull up a screenshot and show you how much red I see on Machado's savant page when it comes to percentile rankings. Like He's so good at everything. His hard hit rate, his barrel rate, both top flight in the game. He's not striking out often. He is walking often. He's not chasing. He's not swinging and missing. He's punishing the ball to all fields. Like the bat speaks for Manny. But the defense. Can we appreciate who Manny Machado is? He's an elite defensive infielder, whether that be at shortstop in his early years or third or shallow right field. He feels like the Swiss army knife for San Diego. And how many times have we opened Twitter in the last few months and seen Manny make a fall away throw from shallow right to get a power lefty out at first base? Jace Tingler puts him wherever they want in any shifting situation, and this guy delivers. Manny Machado's only 28 years old, and this contract may be perfect for both sides. And I'm not expecting this tandem to get anywhere close to this next one that I'm going to allude to production wise, but Manny and Tatis kind of sort of
0: give me Jeter A Rod vibes. I like that. I like that. I mean, Manny Machado, he leads in a lot of offensive categories or is near the top. But since he came into the league, I wonder if Sports Center knows how many times he's been on their top 10 with only throwing videos. Yeah. Only throwing highlights. Just the classic, he's in foul ground and just chucks it sidearm, or he's or he's charging in on a bunt and then just flicks it over to first. He hits all the home runs in the world, but I bet he's the all-time leader in highlight videos of third-base throws. I'm thinking like the only guy that might
1: come close that's currently playing is Arenado. Arenado or
0: Chapman, but I mean... Not even just, Chapman. Not even Chapman. It's Machado.
1: Like that year two when he was in Baltimore, when he like kind of kicked it farther in foul ground at Yankee Stadium. Like, yeah.
0: That's <laughs> the best play I've ever best seen. Play I've England. ever seen. <laughs> That's the best play I've ever seen. And I saw it live. Oh, no way. Freaked out. You saw it live? I saw it live on television. I wish I was in the game. Okay. But I saw it live. And at first I was like, oh, that's foul. Like, whatever. Nice play. But then I'm like, wait a minute. That was the greatest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. You know who's another really good player? The fifth best third baseman in baseball is Rafael Devers of the Boston Red Sox. Devers is one of the best young hitters in the entire game of baseball. And he's proving it again this season. He's tops at the position in home runs and RBIs while also currently sitting at number three at the position in total war. He's hitting over 400 on off-speed pitches. And I wouldn't dare throw the dude a fastball. And, and he's increasingly, increasingly impossible to get the guy out consistently Devers might seem older than 24 since he's already been in the league for a while. But remember back in 2019 when he hit 32 home runs as a 22-year-old? The dude barrels everything. He's towards the top, just like Manny Machado. All I see is red when I look at his baseballs. He's towards the top of all these hard hit rates. I mean, even his outs are really hard hit. Devers is one of the best overall hitters on the list, but the defense is just lacking at third base as he ranks close to the bottom of the barrel in outs above average and a lot of these other advanced metrics. Devers is as exciting a young slugger as they come, and he should be heading to Coors Field for the 2021 All-Star Game. You just blew my mind. 400 on off-speed pitches? 432. No way. Yes. Weirdly, under 300 on fastballs. Huh. That might be a little bit fluky on the fastball stat but over 400 on, on off-speed, breaking ball, on baseballs. That's stupid. Fact check me. How, how crazy is that? And here's my thing about Devers.
1: Um, He was the worst defender at third when he came up. And yeah. now he's only like the fifth worst defender. So he's getting better. Uh, but he's
0: like the third worst <laughs>
1: He's like still not that good. He's still really bad. If I had a chance to sit down one-on-one with Devers, I think I would ask him how much of an impact Dustin Pedroia made on him and his approach. Because I see, you know, totally different hitters, obviously. PD, like that that batting title type dude. And, and Devers, not really that. Like Devers is more 32 and 110. But... I see a lot of similarities in the approach and in between pitches. I'd be really curious to know how much of an imprint Pedroya made on a super young Raphael
0: Devers. And he's kind of taking that jump with it. I mean, playing next to one of the smartest dudes in baseball, Xander Bogarts every single day, probably helps him too. Yep. For sure. This is
1: another really smart guy at number four, like a very smart hitter and maybe the smartest hitter in the game right now. Alex Bregman of the Houston Astros is number four. And to this point in his career, he has redefined what elite looks like in terms of being selective at the plate. The Bregman special is having your OBP sit at least 100 points higher than your batting average. His problems this year have to do with the type of contact that he's getting. So he's at a career low line drive rate. He's at a career high in ground ball and pull rate, which means he's rolling over a ton of pitches and his strikeout rates as high as it's been since his rookie year, which by the way, is still in the top 20% of the league. Like he's great, but he's just not elite elite right now. He's been okay defensively, but the bats, what we talk about with Bregman and you know, he's, like, this is another guy similar to that of Rendon. Like, you feel like he could jump a spot or two if the bat was firing
0: like it was in his top five MVP finishes. I think if Bregman showed a little bit more power, the slugging is down closer to 400. He's only got seven home runs, which is fine, but we might expect a guy like Bregman to hit 25 to 30, or at least, you know, in the 25, that kind of range. Yeah. And that's what kind of puts him over the top. And maybe if he was, you know, he had double-digit home runs. Let's say he was closer to guys like Chris Bryant or Jose Ramirez or any of these guys in home runs. You put him maybe at the top just because of how sound of a hitter he is and how smart he is, like you're saying. But I think that's maybe what drops him just a little bit right now because at four, we're splitting hairs here because all of these guys are just so goddamn good. And you know who's really really good the third best third baseman in baseball yes he is chris bryant of the chicago cubs chris bryant is so back to being the mvp caliber player we all love and remember 2020 was tough for bryant it's fair to call that a fluke as he was dealing with injuries basically the entire time. And just take a look at his resume beyond that season, and you'll understand it was a complete fluke. Bryant also gets a bump in these rankings for his ability to play all over the field. Yep. He's played every single outfield position and both corner infield spots this season and has provided at least, at least average defense in all of them. A June slump has dampened some of his earlier numbers, but he still ranks in the top five in runs, average, on-base percentage, slugging, WRC+, and total war. Chris Bryant is back to being Chris Bryant, and it is so fun to watch. If
1: you guys remember the conversation that we had about KB in April... When right away he was hitting the crap out of the ball, and we yeah. talked about the barrel rate being really high and the launch angle being lower than it has been. Yeah, and we said, you know, quote unquote, it was adapter die for Chris Bryant
0: in a contract. That's a famous team. quote that has been seen by a lot of people. Jack McFarland, that video has like eight hundred thousand views on TikTok. Really, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but like, it was literally
1: adapter die for him and he adapted, he's thriving and he's going to make 200 million dollars this offseason probably. Like he is as valuable a piece and as large a reason as to why the Cubs are near the top of that division like as as anything. Like he is I don't know. I I get so excited I know watching him play baseball all the time and I was listening to 670 The Score, former guest on the pod, and my uncle Matt Spiegel did like a little Father's Day special where he talked to Lucas Giolito's dad, and then he talked to Chris Bryant's dad yesterday. Very on cool Father's Day. And KB's dad, former pro baseball player, um, you know Matt asked him about the defensive versatility, and he said their little league team growing up, of course, like you've heard the stories about Chris Bryant and Joey Gallo being very good friends. <laughs> Uh, their little league team, apparently in like their youth baseball days, they had 11 guys, they would hit all 11 in the batting order. And Chris Bryant and Joey Gallo would be the two that started on the bench because you would have all these requests from dads like, Hey, can my kid play this position? Can my kid play this position? And Chris Bryant's dad and Gallo's dad were the two coaches. And they were like, Oh, well, we know that Chris and Joey can like, play wherever so like they'll start on the bench they'll rotate to whatever spot like isn't filled and they'll be good and like that's kind of translating
0: at the highest level of baseball that is crazy yeah right that is crazy start them young just on the bench just those two sitting next to each other imagine being one of the guys at short being like oh i'm starting today and then looking back and being like why did my dad tell me to start him over chris bryant and joey <laughs> cal what are we doing here dad <laughs> That's when parenting comes to the forefront. Oh, and yeah. you're like, and that's that's big ego shit. I mean, uh, my kid is better than Chris Bryant's and Joey Gallo. Also,
1: think about how good a dad's Chris Bryant and Joey Gallo's dads were like. <laughs>
0: They like weren't. my jackass. son is hitting a thousand and he's 6'4", 12 year old, and he's the eight hitter <laughs> because, because Becky and Jim over there think that their son, Neil, who's hitting 210 should be hitting third and playing shortstop because he just wants it more.
1: Neil, whose nose and ears are still covered in sunscreen, like they're white. They're, it's not
0: even rubbed in. Like the bench warm is just the, look at that guy eating sunscreen. In the dugout. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh God. All right. Let's get to two. Um, Nolan Arenado is the second best third baseman in the game. And without fully diving in my knee jerk reaction was to have Nolan at one. I think your knee jerk reaction was to have Nolan at one. And like, you didn't question me at all on that. Oh really? If our top dog on this list, wasn't having an out of body experience at the plate it would still likely be Nolan Arenado. Think about how freaking stupid this is. Arenado has played eight seasons of Major League Baseball coming into 2021, including his rookie year. He has eight gold gloves in eight seasons. There are four platinum gloves sprinkled in there too. And from 2015 to 2019, Arenado's season averages were 40 homers, 124 RBIs, and a 937 OPS. Offensively, he's still right there, but losing some of that power, which is entirely natural when you play on the moon in your mid-20s. Defensively, he's been a bit error-laden this year. 69 games at third base for the Cardinals. Nice. He's made seven errors. He made nine errors in 154 games at third in 2019. So the defense, it's going to correct himself. I mean, like he is one of the best defenders on planet earth and the bat has not died off since leaving Denver.
0: Arenado is two. Arenado is so sick. He is like, find me a more consistent player since, I don't know, whenever he debuted in the league, like eight, nine years ago find me a more consistent player outside of Mike Trout and maybe our number one guy. And that's what you get in Nolan Arenado. People talking about the core splits immediately goes over and he's totally fine. He's still this is a guy who will be totally fine. We were talking a lot about Freddie Freeman too when he was not hitting at least to the level that we'd expect. Noan Arenado has earned every right to have a slow start to the year. It's not even that slow, slow in his standards. Right. And he's just going to pick it up. It's going to get hot. He's just going to start absolutely tearing into baseballs. We'll probably see him. Uh, we'll look up at the end of August and he'll be close to 30 home runs. And you'll be like, where the hell did that come from? But then again, you're like, wait a minute. This is one of the best third baseman of our era. Yes, sir. But the number one third baseman of all of baseball is jose ramirez of the cleveland indians he's the best third baseman in the world and he's the best bang for your buck out of any player in baseball one of the best overall hitters in the game, making only $5 million a year. He has finished in the top three of AL MVP voting in three of the last four seasons. That is unbelievable consistency. And the only player really to rival that is Mike Trout. Ramirez has shown he is a true five-tool player. And I don't say that lightly. We know what he can do at the plate. We know how many home runs this guy can hit. But as a defender, he covers his position really well. He has a really good enough arm to stay over there. And he's also one of the better base runners in all of baseball, routinely putting up 20-plus stolen base seasons. And, of course, he's showing it again this year, already with 16 home runs and six stolen bases, while ranking in the top five of basically every single offensive category. If the Indians decide to sell, Jose Ramirez will be the single biggest piece available at this year's trade deadline. More than Trevor Story, I mean, he's making 5.2 million a year. There, you can't get better value from any player, any player in baseball, more than Jose Ramirez. Only
1: guy value wise <laughs> that jumps to my mind is Ozzy Albies,
0: right? Jose Ramirez, is, is a, I mean, Al- Albies, we love Albies. Yeah, but, but he Ramirez a, is on another level compared to Albies. Yeah, yeah, I would say, yes, Albies is a great one, great one. And there's a lot of guys, you know, the rookies who are making the minimums, and there's some veterans who are having great – but like this, if we're looking at the stars of baseball, mostly everybody's making thirty to $40 million a year. Jose Ramirez remains probably a top-five offensive player in baseball, making $5 million a year. You'd have to trade the entire farm to get this guy. Jose Ramirez, switch, hitting, beast.
1: I mean, the Indians might have, like, if you were to put everybody on the market at the deadline from every team, like, the Indians might have two of the three or four guys that would get the most because of their contract
0: in Bieber and Ramirez. If you think about it, you're probably right, which is mm-hmm. the crazy part about it. But they probably won't put either of them on the, on the block. No, I was saying if they decide to sell and some team comes in with, you know, three or four top 100 guys, add in a little bit more. Who knows if the Indians would decide because it's going to be expensive to resign him. Obviously, he's earned it. He should be in the 30, 35 million dollar range. He's been that good. Who- you're nodding your head. Who's got that? Like, I'm thinking, who's got that prospect
1: capital among the contenders? Like, I don't know if anybody has the prospect capital.
0: The Rays do. Yeah, but like, would the Rays do it? No, because that's not what the Rays do. But you could see possibly. I mean, they have they have Wendell at third, who's already in our honorable mentions. But the thing is, Wendell could play wherever. I mean, the Blue Jays have the capital. That's why we we're going over him in our last in our last deadline deal. Um, in our mock trade episode, but yeah, I mean, you're going to have I mean, the Mariners, but they're not going to unload it. Obviously they're not going to go trade for Jose Ramirez. There really isn't anyone who could even take him. Maybe if the Mets just give away everyone and say, we're going fully in. And Steve Cohen even mentioned that if they go over the luxury tax threshold, they're, they're humming it. They're going for it, which I respect.
1: Yeah, I respect it too. Um, <laughs> shit i i think that's a good list naturally it's going to get obliterated by everybody that listens to this. your ass <laughs> right. <laughs> right you guys are a joke this is literally I, I saw a good comment on one of the tiktoks um i think it was the tim anderson one this is literally satire at this point
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because people my my thing is i think people go straight to the comments they won't even listen to the uh what we're saying they'll Mm -hmm. just see the name and instantly be like he's not on my favorite team what do you mean he's better (laughs) than my favorite player what do you mean you're an idiot
1: no people don't care about us they don't care about what we talk about they only care
0: they only care about the first two seconds we were in the live we were the live and we were talking about javier Baez, and there was like people genuinely upset that javier Baez. like genuine i'm like if this is a list on a podcast that's on TikTok <laughs> and it's like ruining your day. Right. Why is it ruining right. your day? You know, I, here's a great option for you. You don't have to listen to our podcast. <laughs> you don't have to. No one makes you click the button. <laughs> and I also, we also got to, <laughs> we've uh, been getting a couple of hate DMs asking what stats we use and how it's so stupid that we even mention batting average yeah because i only look at woba that's it and if you look at anything else you're stupid and i don't want to hear your opinion
1: yeah no i I
0: only really i just look at free throw percentage like that's it that's all i look at either that too (laughs) just baseball.com jack is dropping today. If you are listening to this episode, go check out our website, just baseball.com. We're going to be covering the major leagues, the minor leagues, college baseball, fantasy, trading cards, and of course, gambling, which I do every single day on TikTok. You can find us at just baseball fans, Twitter, I'm at Peter Apple23. That's at Jack underscore McMullen11. Jack, you have anything to say before we end the episode? JustBaseball.com is today. It's finally
1: here. I know. I'm I'm super excited. Um, And what's fun is there are a lot of guys, like, there are a lot of guys that have kind of worked behind the scenes to this point that are going to get their chance to really, like, they're going to get the chance for you to learn their names. And we've got some crazy analytics heads, and we've got some fantasy heads, like, just soak it in,
0: because this. Think is... about this: just a bunch of young, ambitious, right out of college, smart guys who love the game of baseball have been basically in a cave for the last year during COVID, just cooking up the best baseball website that we can. And here it is, June twenty second launch date. It's finally here. It's been over a year in the works. Obviously, Den of Geek, our media partner, has been super impactful in our development, and we just thank them so much. Arm Layton, the co-founder, you. I mean, we got, we got Will Cohen, my roommate, editing. We, got, we have a whole team here, and it's more than just those couple of names. It's really now my brainchild. And, Jack, if, if people don't go on it and people don't like it, I'm homeless. So,
1: <laughs> You know what, man? uh once this goes out once just baseball launches kick your feet up have a beer and watch some baseball i got no time for that no i'm gonna i'm gonna shoot you like an eight dollar venmo because that's how much like one
0: bush light costs in new york city right um maybe in a water cup in the bathroom got you yeah i can eight dollars buy- in the bathroom in a water cup you get ten dollars in an actual cup in the bathroom and then if you want to move into the bar it's twelve fifty plus tip yeah and then that doesn't include the looking fee. Yeah, I hear you. So $2 I... for looking at your beer. <laughs> per look. Per look. Right. So you, like better, a... you better really drink it fast. Right. Or just head one, to the bathroom.
1: Once you blink, like you got to pay again. Yeah. it's kind of sucks. They're charging it. Uh, versus I can buy the bar for $8 where I am. So, uh, hey, good luck. I'll Venmo you, uh, I guess, $12.50. So enjoy, <laughs> man and uh don't forget you know, to don't forget to add the looking fee i need 14 50. yeah shit my bad sorry sorry i got lost in all those fees um i think they're made up i'm pretty sure they're, they're all made up uh follow you at peter apple 23 on twitter follow me at jack underscore mcmullen 11 on twitter just be just bb media on twitter and That's then the at just baseball fans on tiktok and instagram so exciting happy lunch we'll talk to you guys soon thank you everybody